Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Stand for truth, no matter what the cost is. Stand for truth. What is truth? Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Get into the Word of God. Stand for truth. In a, in a world that we live in, which is just so chaotic and nobody, I mean, it's not that nobody knows what truth is anymore. Nobody, it seems like nobody wants to hear the truth or, or all, we want to define it. No, we don't have to define it. It's been defined for us. Get into the Word of God, especially if you're a Christian. You have to, we have to be in the Bible. As Christians in our world today, one of the most difficult things to do is to stay committed to the cause of the kingdom. When the pressures start to add up and all we want to do is give up, it's easy to give in and join the world in its pain and suffering. In today's message, Pastor James wants you to know that you need to rise above the sin of our world and stay strong in spreading God's good news. The going is always going to be difficult, but He'll never leave your side. Stay steadfast in His Word and continue to spread the gospel. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark chapter 6 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Here's Herod Antipas, who is so insecure, and now John is telling him, like, hey, what you're doing is sin, and you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be doing that. How dare you? I'm offended that you would say that something I'm doing is sinful. It is, but it is. Deal with it. It is. It's sin. He doesn't just say it so he makes them feel bad. He, he tells them it's sin so that he deals with it, because Herod should know better. He should know better. He is familiar with the law. It wasn't like the law was foreign to Herod at all. He, he was familiar with it. He knew what the law said. So anyways, John had been telling Herod in verse 18, it's against God's law for you to marry your brother's wife. And uh, by the way, she's your niece and that's gross. So stop doing it. Why, should, why does he even need to tell them this? If you know anything about Roman rulers and all that, you know that this is just uh, somewhat of a common scenario. But John's like, it's sinful. What you, what you did is sinful. You divorced your wife. She divorced her husband. She's your brother's wife. She's your niece. And you guys got married. And that's not okay. God doesn't approve of that. He doesn't approve of that. And so in him telling that to Herod... Verse 19, it says, Herodias, if that's even how you say her name, I think that's how you say her name, um, she bore a grudge against John, and she wanted to kill him. This is a, you know that quote, they attribute it to Shakespeare. Actually, Shakespeare never said it, but hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Yeah, that's her. When it says she held a grudge against John, it, it means that she... Um, she kind of focused in on him and she would never take her eyes off of him. She was always looking for an opportunity to kill this guy. Simply because he said, you're in sin and that's not right. What was John's message? Repent. Repent. This is what God's word says. This is how you're living your life. It's sin. The two don't go together. You need to repent and stop living like this and turn to God. That's probably what he was telling them, and she hated him for it. 
So much so that she, she was planning, plotting, scheming, and all this stuff to murder this guy. But John was unwavered by it. He gets locked up for standing for the truth. Nowadays, it seems like within our beautiful little American Christianity, we'd be like, hey, just stop talking. Don't tell them they're sinners. You make them feel bad. And then people stop coming to church. Hey, we're sinners. We're sinners. Newsflash, we're all sinners. The church is where we ought to be. There should be more people at church because of the fact that we're all sinners in need of a savior. There's, I mean, yeah, that's, that's an offensive message. I know. The Bible already told us that. But it's a true message. And we're not gonna be like those knuckleheads on the corner with the signs of like, repent and God hates you and all that. We're not, because that's not an effective witness at all. That's not a good demonstration of the love of God at all. It's a horrible one, and I don't know of any people getting saved because of that guy. But you get a bunch of guys together, covered in tattoos, with long dreads and all sorts of stuff, who have been radically transformed by the grace of God, and it was his kindness that led them to repentance. And then they get together, and for like 11 plus years now, they've been cruising all around this country telling people that the Lord loves you, but you are a sinner, and you need to turn from your sins. No sugarcoating, no soft selling, no nothing like that. And people are getting saved from that. Do people get turned off by that message? Absolutely. But it doesn't mean that we stop communicating that. Now, wisdom for you and for myself is how do you communicate that in a loving way to those loved ones, those coworkers that you have? You can just show up in their face like, sinner, repent right? You just lost a friend, right? They're never going to talk to you again, okay? Because you're the weirdo now. Like, you're that crazy person. But if you actually give them a time of the day to talk to them and to speak to them and treat them like a human being, an individual, and see what's going on within their lives, why maybe they're living the way they're living, get to know them, and you demonstrate the love of God. And yes, you speak when you need to speak, absolutely. Don't shy away from it, but when you actually start to know who people are and maybe why they do what they do and all that good stuff, I know that the Holy Spirit will give you the right words at the right time to communicate to those people. But we don't shy away from the message. The same message, John preached it, Jesus preached it, the disciples were out cruising around the Galilee region preaching the same exact message, repent, the kingdom of God is here, turn from your sins. If you're doing something you, sh- you know you shouldn't be doing, then stop doing that and turn to Jesus. Well, I don't want to. Okay. But your life would be so much better if you did. Do you wonder why there's no peace within your heart and your soul? That peace has surpassed all understanding. I mean, you guys know my story. When I was 19, that's when I got saved and that, and that I finally owned up to the fact like, man, I am a sinner. I'm, I am a sinner. And when I own that and I acknowledge that and I, I just gave that to the Lord, I'm like, I, I don't know why you want me, but you have me. Because I, I don't know what you, what you want from me or what you want to do with me or why you even want me, but I know I want you. And I want that free gift that you're offering me. And that was enough. But then this huge wave of just peace and freedom 
came over me. Herod's getting his messages from John and all this good stuff. Uh, the whole time, he liked to hang out with John. He liked to hear John tell him the truth, which is kind of a weird relationship. All the whole time, uh, Herod's wife is like scheming on him, right? She's trying to figure out how to kill this guy. Just picking up back within the text, it says, um, verse, let me jump back into verse 19. So Herodias bore a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But without Herod's approval, she was powerless. That probably drove her nuts too. Uh, For Herod respected John. He also feared John. So that respect, fear, that's kind of the same term there. He feared him because he he was a holy man. He says, knowing that he was a good and holy man, he protected him. So he just locked him up. He locked him up in jail. Herod was uh, greatly disturbed or greatly, or greatly puzzled uh, whenever he talked with John. But even so, he liked to listen to him. So he arrests this guy who he's fascinated with. And he, he keeps him in a jail. So that way, he kind of protects him from, from actually being murdered by his wife. And he would go frequently, is what it says. And he would, he would sit and talk with John. And one of John's common messages to Herod was, it's a sin. You're married to that woman. That's a sin. He kept coming back. He, I'm sure he told him more things than just that, but he kept coming back to hear John's message. And he showed up again and again every Sunday, every Thursday, hearing the word, hearing the word, but it had no effect. No effect. It never changed him. Because he never really received the word. He wasn't going to do anything with the word. He was just intrigued by the word. Puzzled is what it says. Verse 21, um, Rodia, her chance finally came on Herod's birthday. He gave a party for his high government officials, army officers, and leading citizens of Galilee, of course. He has all the bigwigs there, all the rulers, all the the main movers and shakers of the town. It says, then his daughter, well, his daughter, who's technically his uh, stepdaughter, because I believe that she was already born and she was the daughter of Herodias. Um, so it would have been like his niece, but now his stepdaughter, it's confusing. It's, it's weird. Oh, it gets great. It gets better. Look at this. His daughter in New Living Translation got this wrong, also named Herodias. That could have been her name as well, just like her mom's, but yours probably says uh, Salome, which is really what her name was, S-A-L-O-M-E. She came in and performed a dance that greatly pleased Herod and his guests. No little ears. Good. Um, this is uh, technically, this is like a, a very provocative dance. This is like a striptease is what she did. This is gross. She's your niece and now your stepdaughter. And she's dancing for you provocatively. Ugh. And you're enjoying it. No respect for this guy. None at all. If you read through the Bible and you're like, I feel like I should love everyone. No. No. Yes, God loves, he loved the whole world and he died for the whole world. I have no respect for guys like this. None. None at all. Men within the sex trafficking industry, no respect. None at all. Ugh, don't even get me started. I feel blood pressure rising. I'm like, ugh. Um, 
I, I don't have any, no compassion, no respect. I mean, and maybe the Lord needs to work on that in my heart. If so, so be it. That's fine. I have no, no respect for people who take advantage of kids. None. None at all. None at all. And I don't want to expose too much of what I truly feel about them because you might lose respect for me. But anyways, I got to move on. His daughter performed a dance for him. And in the presence of all these men. Now, his daughter, she's of marrying, marrying age, which means she's a middle teenager. She's in that middle, so maybe 14, 15, 16 years old. How is this even allowed? How is it even allowed? How is this even thought of as a good I, mom's like, yeah, you know what would be cool? Go out there and dance for your dad. What? You can tell where their moral compass is, right? It's gross. It greatly pleased him. Now he's acting like an idiot. He says, ask me for anything you like, the king says to the girl, his daughter. And I will give it to you. He even vowed, I will give you whatever you ask up to half my kingdom. You have no kingdom. You're not a king. Quit being delusional. You're not as great as you think you are. You have no king. You have no kingdom. And even if you did, it's only a quarter of what your dad had because he gave it to your other brothers. So it's not even all that impressive, dude. Like, you're not that great. He's like, you can have it all. But he has to do this, and he's obviously, he's impressed ugh, by what he sees and what happened there. Sin makes you stupid. Sin makes you stupid. Write that in your Bibles. Sin makes you stupid. That's what my pastor used to tell me all the time, and I love him for it. Thank you for telling me the truth. Sin makes you stupid. You lose your mind. And here he is in this, like, pornographic setting, and he loses his mind. Man, these sins will rob, they rob us of so much more than what we realize. The reason why we don't, we don't, don't mess with porn, because it robs you of more than what you think. And it actually robs you of your ability to think. You become dumb. Dumb. You lose it. And I know, I've dabbled in that stuff. I mean, that was my story before I came to the Lord. It just makes you, it makes you stupid. And then pursuit of lust and all that type of stuff. Avoid those lures used by the enemy, those fishing lures, those shiny objects that he's casting out for each and every one of us. Avoid those things. I've been snagged by those things in my past. And those are hooks, especially when you're dealing with like lust and porn. Those hooks set deep. And they're hard to get out. They are. And for guys, you guys get that. We're very visual creatures. We understand that. And those shiny objects, we're like, whoa, yeah, shiny objects. Like, let me go after that. Don't. Don't. So somebody who has experience, don't. Let me save you the heartache and the headaches and all that, and the scars. Don't be like Herod. Don't be like Herod in the story. Be like a John the Baptist. There's a guy to look up to in the Bible, and there's plenty of them. John the Baptist, for us men, was one of those guys. Hair's like, I'll give you half my kingdom. So she runs back to mom, verse 24. What should I ask for? Because she's going to hold him to it. He offered. Mom, here's your chance. Here's your opportunity. This, this might give us the indication that mom actually set her up for this. Like mom was using daughter to use her body to get something from a man. So she's almost like prostituting her daughter out to her husband 
to get what she wants because she's so filled with hatred. Her main goal, her main ambition was to see John dead and she would use her daughter to accomplish that. Her mother told her, ask for the head of John the Baptist. Ask for the head of John the Baptist. So the girl hurried back to the king and told him, I want the head of John the Baptist right now on a platter, on a tray. Go kill John. And there's John the Baptist, just to paint the scene for you, sitting in a cell, faithful witness of Christ, standing for the truth. In a matter of moments, would be standing in his presence. Faithful until the end. Faithful until the end. The king deeply regretted what he had said, but because of the vows he had made in, the, in front of his guest, he has to be a man of his word. He couldn't refuse her, so he immediately sent an executioner to the prison to cut off John's head. The soldier beheaded John in the prison, brought his head on a tray, and gave it to the girl who took it to her mom. It says, when John's disciples heard what had happened, they came to get his body and they buried it in a tomb. Word also got back to Jesus that his cousin, the forerunner, the last of the Old Testament prophets, had just died. And about that same time, the disciples are coming back to tell Jesus about all the great things that had happened. And Jesus is carrying this weight with him. And he tells his disciples, let's get away. We need to go rest. We need to go rest. That's why Herod was so disturbed by Jesus. Because he carried this guilt because he murdered an innocent man. Because of his stupidity. Because of his flesh. He had an innocent man murdered. And now he's so overridden with guilt that now he thinks like, um, he's like, oh man, this guy has come back from the dead and he's coming for me. But that soon blows over because a year later, Jesus is standing before this same Herod who murdered his faithful follower. And Herod's so excited, so stoked that, oh, I finally get a presence with Jesus and maybe he'll perform a magic trick for me is what he said. And as he's talking to Jesus, Jesus has no words for him. No words. You had your chance. You had the word taught to you. For as long as you had John imprisoned, you had the word spoken to you. I will not say anything to you. You had your chance. You blew it. You missed it. Jesus has no words for you. And left from there to go get crucified. That's a, that's a very serious warning. Because there will come a day where the words stop. The words stop. That's why it's important that we, that we take to heart, like today, today is the day to turn and to follow Jesus. Today's the day. Why? Well, because Herod, a year later, he got no more words from Jesus. He got no more. There was no more words for him because, well, he's not even going to hear them. He's not going to receive them. And even with Jesus in his presence, Jesus speaks not a single word, and they further mock him and abuse him and all that good stuff and then send him back on to Pilate where he would die. Herod had his chance. 
He heard it. He was impressed by it. He was kind of puzzled by all the things that John was saying and everything, but he never did anything with it. He never did anything with it. He would go on to say, history would say, would say that he would go on to continue to pursue the, um, the title of king. He would appeal to Rome and all that good stuff. And they gave other guys that title, but they never gave it to him. And his wife was on him, trying to get him to become this king for status and all that good stuff. He never got it. The thing that he pursued the most, he never got it. And he went to his grave, burdened with guilt. Burdened with guilt. He could have received the word from John. He could have repented. He could have lived a totally different life. But he chose not to. He chose not to. And then he died. And then he died. To never have a presence. Well, there might be one more presence in, in front of Jesus. But it's not the one he wants. Encouragement for you guys. Be like John the Baptist. Stand for truth. No matter what the cost is. Stand for truth. What is truth? Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Get into the word of God. Stand for truth. In a, in a world that we live in, which is just so chaotic and nobody, I mean, it's not that nobody knows what truth is anymore. Nobody, it seems like nobody wants to hear the truth or, or all, we want to define it. No, we don't have to define it. It's been defined for us. Get into the word of God. Especially if you're a Christian, you have to, we have to be in the Bible. We've got we to be living off of this thing. Get into the word. Get into the word. And I'm going to encourage you guys, again, if you don't know why God has you here on this planet specifically, you have to spend time at his feet and figure that thing out so that you can go with confidence serving him, like John the Baptist. Because when you have that thing, you'll march on into eternity. Because this is what I'm here to do. This is what I'm here to do. I hope and I pray, I want that for you if you don't know what that is. I, as a pastor, I long that you have that. You have that clarity. I want you to have that clarity. So I'm gonna encourage you, spend time at his feet and just say, Lord, I don't know what you want from me. I don't know what, you've, what gifts you've given me or how you even want me to use these gifts. I pray that you bring clarity or open up some opportunities for me. Stay consistent with that. And don't get frustrated if he doesn't answer you right away. Because it may take some time because maybe he's working on some sort of other area within your life to get you to there. But you keep showing up and you keep praying, you keep knocking, you keep seeking, you keep asking. You gotta know what that is. You have to know what that is so that you can finish and finish well. Avoid the pitfalls and the traps and the, the shiny lures that are out there that are being cast out constantly by the enemy. They're out there for each and every one of us. Yours may look different than mine, that's fine, but just avoid those snares and those traps because the enemy is gunning for you because he doesn't want you to know what God has called you to do. And once you figure that out, then he wants to do everything he can to deter that and to keep you from being obedient. John's an amazing man. He's rad. He's so awesome. John the Baptist, rad. He's one of those ones, like, when you get to heaven, it's like, I want to I hang out with that guy. I want to hang out with that guy. Let's be like John the Baptist. Let's, let's stand firm. Let's, let's run this race set before us with our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And let's just, man, let's just go for it. The days are limited, guys. The days are limited. So let's go for it, okay? Hope to the hopeless, hopeless race.
Thanks for joining us today here on Bread for the Broken. You've been listening to Pastor James Grizzle as he teaches through the book of Mark, one of the accounts of Jesus' time here on earth. Though it's short, this book is powerful as it's filled with encounters that Jesus had with people, everyday people just like you and me. And the book of Mark reminds us that Jesus came to serve. He humbly did what needed to be done, even if it wasn't glamorous. Jesus healed the people who were sick. He spent time with the lonely and the rejected. He loved the unloved unconditionally. And then he proved his love by the ultimate act of service. He gave up his life for all of us. He took the place of every person on the earth, and then those to come, because we all deserve death. Our sins make us unacceptable to God, and we're unable to do anything to fix it. That's why we need Jesus. Today, if you haven't allowed Jesus to be your Savior, please consider it again. If you have questions or would you like to talk more with someone, then please take a moment and go to breadforthebroken.com and click on Contact. Just fill out the form and we'll be in touch with you. You can also come visit us if you're in the Galveston area. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston, and we meet every Sunday and Thursday. So find out more at breadforthebroken.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Next time, Pastor James will pick up where he left off in the book of Mark. So make a note of where we are and make plans to join us next time, here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, babe.